so good to be able to have both of you here. Uh, I had mentioned earlier in our introduction uh, that you guys are good friends to us. And I feel like I say that every single week, but I guess we have more than one. Uh, it's so good to be able to have you both here. We've known you guys for, I don't know, how, how many years has it been? Five? 2014, so 2014. six years. Six years. Six yeah. years. Five and- to six. And, and actually, Jake, uh, other than my father and obviously my wife, you were one of the first people that I kind of had talked to about this transition of God working in my heart. We've been praying together for a while, and we left for ministry at about the same time. Yeah. I think you guys are a few months behind us. And so, uh, of course, you we went the opposite ways. Um, right. In Alaska. We tried to work it out where we ended up in the same place, but as of right now, that's not the case. I know, it's just not the case. But in the summertime, I'm often like, I think I miss God's call about Alaska because it's so hot here and humid. But anyway, why don't why don't you just tell us a little bit about your testimony? Um, and we'll go we'll go one at a time. And and Amanda, we'll start with you. I guess we'll go ladies first. And if you can kind of tell a little bit about your background when you became a follower of Christ, and then um, just kind of how God's been molding your life throughout the years. And then we'll jump over to Jake. Jake and I's testimony is I feel like very intertwined. Yeah. So. We'll see how we yeah, how let's we're do pretty it. good at doing it. But just yeah. because um, Jake and I were high school sweethearts, and um, we married as soon as I graduated high school, both unsaved, got married, uh, moved to Louisiana, spent about eight months in Louisiana, and then Jake was sent to South uh, Korea uh, for a year-long tour there, and it was unaccompanied, so I wasn't able to go. And so then I, I went home and Jake actually, in his testimony, he'll share how he was actually saved there in South Korea. I I think, I think, well, yeah, we'll just intertwine. I think we'll be best. So, so basically, you know, after we got married, uh, they they sent, the the army sent me over to South Korea, man, I went back to Ohio. But while I was over there, um, there was a missionary and uh, uh, that had a church right outside the army base and I'd come off the base and they would be standing there they'd hand out invitations and and so i i took a track and it was god's simple plan of salvation and after getting multiple tracks for for a few months i finally went to church and there i heard the gospel and my need of jesus christ uh, i understood i was a sinner i trusted christ at that at on that day that was november 1st 1998 uh, and god just began changing my heart and, and away from away from the things of the world sin in the direction i was going and uh and and so for us as newlyweds before that I, I felt like you know not coming from a christian background that we did not we we probably didn't i mean we we, lo- we were in love we loved doing things together but as far as the important things of uh, of, of the lord and church that, that just was not there and was not a foundation so god began working in my heart and in that area so i was over in south korea for about another for about another year got out of the army came back to ohio and and we uh, came back together and married a couple. I was working at UPS and going to college. Uh, and at that point, Amanda was not saved. And but I had I was a new believer, and we were going to her home home church. And when I say her home church, it was more of a church which did not preach the gospel. And so there was a little bit of a struggle spiritually for me at that point but i just want to think amanda take over as far as the testimony yeah so yeah i had be been raised in a very moral home and always 
uh, really was taught that God existed. Um, so I, I believe God existed, but I had um, made God up in my own mind uh, what, um, who he was and, and uh, how you could get to heaven just by being a good person and uh, really just probably like most people, like, you know, most people you talk to, I just believe because, you know, I was not a murderer or something like that. I would be okay. And so um, when Jake got saved and he called me from South Korea and told me that he had gotten saved, um, I had never heard anyone use the word saved before, even though I had been in church for years and I'd never heard the term being born again either. So to me, I just understood it as, you know, Jake had you know, was going to be a moral person. We were going to go to church together. Um, and so I was really excited. And um, because we, there'd been a lot of things that we had found out after we got married that we did not agree on. And so, um, and then, then I started to see how Jake was different. He um, sent me a couple's Bible for our anniversary uh, just, you know, just to see, even though he was, you know, clear on the other side of the world, I could see changes in him. And then when he came home, um, he wanted to read the Bible together. And um, I thought that was extremely strange. I think there was, you know, Jake was a new believer. I was unsaved, but Jake was such a young believer and I had been such a moral person, I think, and even for him, took him kind of a while to this, really realize yeah. that I wasn't a Christian. Yeah, it, it really did, and, and I started realizing the church that she grew up in was not the church that I came to know the Lord. So so during that, that time, it was a little bit of a challenge spiritually. I was out of the Army, but I missed the military, so the way our testimony goes was I was out for six months, ended up joining the Coast Guard, Wanted to be back in the service, and we went to North Carolina, Atlantic Beach, Moorhead City area. We tried a lot of different churches there. That was our first, my first assignment. We were there for a year and never found a church, but we're always looking for one, and we were really looking at two different, from two different, looking for two different things. She was looking for a social club. I was looking for Bible teaching. Uh, but the Lord ended up taking us out to uh, Petaluma, California, north of San Francisco, and while we were out there, a Coast Guard wife invited Amanda out to church. I said, hey, we should go. Uh, we went. Uh, we're sitting in the service. The preacher got up, preached, and I was like, man, this is this is the kind of church I came to know the Lord in. He's preaching the Bible, and Amanda came to know the Lord at that church in New Hope Baptist Church. So that's, that that's was our like the first time I had ever heard. I mean, I, I obviously had been in church for years, and I knew that Jesus died on the cross. I knew that... Um, you know, I knew a lot of Bible facts, but the gospel had never been presented to me in a way that I could understand that that I was in need of a Savior. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not, Jesus' death on the cross was not a generic death for the whole world, but specifically for me. Yeah. And that I needed to, that I was a sinner. Yeah. And that was the reason he died on the cross. And although I knew a lot about the Bible and I knew a lot about, um, I thought I knew a lot about the Bible and I thought I knew a lot about God, but, but I did not know him personally. Personal. Yeah. 
So, so that's how we came, both of us came to the Lord about a year and a half apart, but, uh, we were there for probably a couple more months after she came to know the Lord. And, and we, I started seeing changes in her. We ended up in Connecticut and it was while we were in Connecticut where we were discipled, uh, by the pastor there, but it was also there where, you know, our family started and, and in 2002, uh, we had our first child, Emily, that was the beginning of our family. And a year and a half later, Hannah came along in Connecticut. And then a year and a half later, Caitlin came along in Ohio. So we were relatively quickly after coming to know the Lord, both of us, uh, and, and really being discipled for three years in that church. And we had a wonderful pastor and a pastor's wife, uh, the Zacharias pastor, Tim Zacharias and his wife, Stacy, who really started planting seeds in our minds about godly. It wasn't like you guys were um, saved for many, many years. These experienced seasoned Christians before you had kids. Brand new I mean, Christians. Brand new. <laughs> brand new Christians. We have a baby. We have a second baby. But we have a pastor and a pastor's wife. We had other people in the church. And it wasn't necessarily even Bible teaching that we received, but it was the example of Christians who were raising their children for the glory of God that impacted. So, so let that one be a lesson to those who want to be an example, and two, let that be also an example for those who have children to 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 see someone and and to follow their example. And, and I think that's biblical as someone is following the Lord uh, to follow their example. And with parenting, it's wise. And I think sometimes we don't do that because we think we we have the corner on truth and pride or whatever. You guys are in a unique situation because, um, so you were in the military for what, how many years you were in the Coast Guard? A total for 20 years? So three years Army, 17 and a half in the Coast Guard. Okay. So over 20 years. So I remember, I remember going to your, um, your retirement ceremony just a few, I mean, just a few years ago. And so pretty much uh more emily's life than the other two because the other two were, were kind of younger when when you retired they spent their whole life not in one place they're traveling around everywhere and so you know, every parenting situation has its unique challenges and you know everybody's got the got the um connotation about the parent you know the pastor's kids oh my goodness the pastor's kids but you know what do they call the military kids they call them the brats right the military yeah, brats but you know there's a whole different set of challenges that you guys are facing um so you know the first question would be this what is your number one priority when traveling around with all your kids when it comes to parenting what was your number one priority for your kids early in the in our time in the military we knew every time we moved we were going to be in a place less than four years and literally our children even coming here out of the military caitlin when she leaves the house will have only been here for five years so that will be the longest day any one of our children have been in one place wow. so with that said we knew that that was the lifestyle we had but again going back to being discipled and and learning the importance obviously your relationship with the lord is is important but your relationship with the local church uh, and being committed uh to a local church was and being involved was what we said we said we're not going to be here long so let's not waste time let's know what church we're going to attend before we get there let's get plugged in and they became our family and and, and that was important for us for stability and i think jake was an excellent spiritual leader we never 
ever put in our request for where we went until we made sure there that there was a good, solid, Bible-believing local church. And that was important. And I don't think, I mean, we would get somewhere. We almost always, I felt, we knew where we were going to go to church before we even moved there. And as soon as we were there, we were in the church. I mean, if we, if we, you know, arrived on Thursday, we were in church on Sunday. If we arrived on Tuesday, we were in church on Wednesday. I mean, it was, that was always a priority and more important than the career path or, mm-hmm. you know, anything else. I think, so, I think Amanda, what you said was huge. Um, and, and praise the Lord is that credit to Jake is that Jake fulfilled his role as a father. And that is manning up and being a spiritual leader. Man, do we need that today? Uh, because yeah. that is that is just not the case. How do we maintain balance when it comes to parenting? Like balance with your work, um, home life, like all things, different worlds. It, it comes down to in life, we're all busy. Life is so busy, uh, but keeping priorities. Keeping priority, and that is tough. That is a tough thing to do as parents. We need God's grace. We need God's help. Oh man, and God has to because we mess this up so often. But yet, God's grace is sufficient. God works in spite of our failures. But keeping balance is keeping right priorities. Keeping the Lord first uh, in your in your family. Your relationship with your spouse is right under your relationship with the Lord, and that's challenging. And in the ministry, I mean, you guys know that becomes a very challenging thing. Uh, because not only are you uh, balancing with the kids, but then you're balancing with the church and the ministry and the demands of that. Um, so uh, just keeping those priorities, uh, the Lord, your spouse, your children, and then and then your occupation, you know, whether it's the ministry or whether it's a job. Um, and then everything else kind of comes after that. And, and I think for, for at least myself and for us, and whether we've communicated that or not, I think unwritten that's kind of been our our mindset on things and and trust me it's not it's not always perfect and it and I get out of balance but it's important to not let that discourage you and get back into balance there's constantly reminding yourself of what's important and it's easy to get distracted and and I'm going to say this again you know a lot of that for us came from Jake leaving our family and making making it a priority to put the Lord first, but then to prioritize our family and that our relationship with our kids and our their relationship with the Lord has always taken place over career and over um, even what other people have thought. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about um, keeping the balance and like checking in because it reminds me of like right now at work and this is every year we do like evaluation and they check in on you. And for me, it's like you do good, but then after it gets like, you know, month eight, you're like have to like reevaluate yourself and like your boss will put you back on track. These are our goals. Let's take a step back and look at and then you get so like seeing where there's a weakness or seeing like I did put that in the wrong priority or wrong balance like how do i come back and do better this right. this this next yeah. and and asking god i have found that i have to ask the lord to show me continually 
places? Where are we out of balance? Where are we missing? What are the gaps that I don't, we don't even know exist here, you know, with our kids and he knows way more than we do what our kids are missing or where our heart is or, you know, what we're focusing on. Again, for dads, this is something that dads need to take the lead on, but at times we get distracted and Amanda more times than not has, it's a, it's a teamwork. It is a teamwork. Parenting is such a teamwork and areas because there's been times where I've been distracted or, or whatever and moms are good at this. They're good at having, knowing what's going on with the, the kids and interjecting and, and bringing that to dad's attention. And all I have to say is as dads, make sure you, you, you do listen to your wife in these areas because God has given you a spouse who meets areas in which you don't meet. Usually the mom will know when things are out of balance before dad does. And it's so good um, to, to be able to have those checks and balances in place because you're absolutely right. I mean, the Aileen's so good at knowing. Um, we talk about this term love languages with our kids. And, you know, just I'll be honest, Eileen was at work all day on Tuesday um, at the hospital. And she came home and I was stressed out. And, she, like, <laughs> and she's like asking what's going on. And I said, Eileen, Kaysen has just been like, Oh, he kept like talking back today. And kept, I mean, it's four. He doesn't even know half the time what he's doing, but still, I have to correct it. And I said, Eileen, there was times I'm like, I don't know what to do right now. And so then she starts asking me questions. She's like, Brandon, did you did you spend quality time with him today? Did you do all these things? I'm like, you're a genius, first off. Uh, but but it really kind of it, it leads us into our next question. There's been studies done, um, and I shared this in, in church this past Sunday with our church group on Father's Day, that a um, child or a person will oftentimes have a perception of God and base their perception of God upon how their dads treated them when they were younger. So if their dad was a very hard, domineering man, you know, Paul tells us not to provoke our children to wrath, you know, having all these strict rules and, and just really stringent amount of kids, they will then incorporate God. In, and I'm putting all the blame on, on, on the dad on that. It was no decision. So the question then is, Jake, and, and obviously Amanda, how do we communicate love or God's love to our children. If we could bring it down to a, a new parent every single day, they're in the trenches, they are stressed out like I was on Tuesday. Uh, how do we, from a practical standpoint, communicate love to our children? First of all, you personally have to know God's love. Like you have to know God. You have to have a relationship. You have to be in the word and constantly um, know his attributes. Knowing you know, who God is, and because if you don't know God's love, how can you share God's love? Kind of keeps us as parents humble when you really um, are keeping it before you who God is and who you are and and who your kids are. And that helps you, at least for me, that had always, help, always helps me be able to extend grace and mercy and all those things to my kids. Yeah. Because I know I need God to extend that to me. I learned this later on as a parent within the last couple of years, probably. And that is knowing your kids 
are nothing more than you are, a sinner that are going to come short. And even much more than that, because they're children who are learning and who, who have a sin nature, who struggle. And, and so if you understand that, and, and then you understand God's grace that he extends to us, his patience, especially as, as children of God that have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, been saved, God is continually patient. He's continually ch- uh, uh, chasing us, correcting us, directing us, conforming us into the image of Christ. And, and we as parents, is what we do with our children. And so we understand that they're a sinner. They're going to do these things. They're going to fail. And you allow them to fail. But this is where that verse, uh, I think it's uh, Ephesians 6, 3 or 6, 4 to the fathers, provoking out your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. That is, that is correction. That is correcting them, not, not punishing them harshly, but correcting them. And, and 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 teaching teaching them how to behave, how to treat others. They're they're sinners. They need that. That is teaching them the word of God. And and that's our responsibility as parents, understanding that they're a sinner. They need to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. But we are teaching. We are not looking. And sometimes as parents, that's hard because your kids can get under your skin. But but to be patient and knowing that that what what has God done for us? He has been gracious and. And we are sinners, and he's patient. That's what we extend to our children. And we're looking to train them and teach them and conform them into the image of Christ once they come to know him as Savior. I think one of the biggest detriments is that, um, you know, we can get this guilt complex of having to work all the time, okay? And, and Jake, somebody in your position that's driving around all the time, they could get this, they could feel this guilt that their child was missing out on something as a result of their work. So therefore they overcompensate and that whatever the child wants, they get, and they communicate love as lavishing gifts upon them. So the question then is, how do we know if we are a child-centered parent? Uh, And maybe you can talk about the dangers there, but how do we know that we are a child-centered parent and how can we uh, overcome that tendency of being a child-centered parent? If all your decision-making is based upon your kids, that's a big problem. Uh, whether it's your work, whether it's whether you go to church, uh, whether you go out to eat, whether what they eat, if everything is based off of what they want, that's a danger and that's a red flag. You know, we think they need all of our gifts and all these, just pour everything. No, they, they don't need that. They need instruction. They need correction. They need uh, love. And, and sometimes they need to be told no. And it's the same thing that God uh, does to us. Uh, God does not grant us every wish and want that we ever want. Every want, He doesn't. He 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 does not do that. And and sometimes His answers to our prayers is is no. Why? Because He knows what's good for us. I love that little facet that you just mentioned there. I never really thought about that along those lines. Was the fact that if you're telling your kids no, you're helping them to deal with the word no. Because God is not going to say yes to everything. And so if a child is so used to saying yes, 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 whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want, and our purpose is, is, is parents, Christian parents, is to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, you're not preparing them for the times in which God tells them no. Okay? Well, it goes back yeah. to that word. It goes back to that word to uh, not provoke them to wrath, but, uh, but uh, to raise them in the nurture. That word nur- nurture is correction. Well, if you're going to correct, you got to say no. I know every um, relationship is not the same, but I know for us um, as a mom, it's always been very easy for me to want to make life easy 
for our girls. I don't like to see them suffer. I guess not even suffer. It wouldn't be the word, but I don't like to see them go through hard times or, or be hurt or do without or, you know, and I will happily give up everything of my own to make sure that they are happy and, and have everything they want. And, and I have had to learn to listen to Jake, as he will say, you know, <laughs> they don't need that. Like, it's okay. Like they can, they can be hurt. They can do without, they can be disappointed. And it's just not the reality of life, and, and it's not the reality as Christians. I mean, the Word of God is clear that there's going to be trials and uh, tribulations. There's going to be hardships as a Christian. You know, we don't follow the prosperity gospel where life is always going to be healthy, wealthy, and everything's going to go great. The Christian life presents itself with challenges and, and disappointments. And if your children can learn that, that's going to make them a better Christian, a better adult, a, a better employee. Uh, better everything, um, and and when it's child-centered, that does not take place. But I it's think as amazing. parents, that's hard for us. We want, sometimes we don't have faith in God, and we think we have to step in and be God for them. And But if we step back, he steps in. The important thing to remember, and this goes with discipline, this goes with, with leading them, just as you're talking about, our job as parents is to help our children become followers of Christ. That is our number one priority. We have one more question for our time together, and I think this is one, if we can really bring this down into one uh, final question. We're younger parents. What is one piece of advice that you would give to younger parents? When they're just starting off, just one, just one piece of advice. Well, you know, I'll let her go first, and hopefully she'll hit one of my ten that I want to get. You're got there's, you're there. You're gonna you're gonna fail. I mean, it, that sounds real discouraging. They <laughs> are real encouraging. Um, I think like looking back, I I just think, wow. Uh, we have failed. Like we, there's so many things, and I, I feel like as the girls even get older and older, it's even become more apparent to me as they start preparing to leave the home, how unprepared I feel like they are. The most important thing, and I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, I feel like my prayer for us has always been, I've always prayed to the Lord to fill in the gaps, yeah. to count, to just trust him. Lord, you know them. You, he loves them more than we do. He knows them better than we do. He knows our failures. He knows their sin nature. Uh, they're each different. We get to be a part of that. But I think it's just the most important thing is that God is a part of that, a part of your parenting, that he's the, the major part of your parenting. And I've just always asked him to just fill in where I'm missing. And I think it's why it's important that on that note to focus in on their relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and with that, you know, there's failure in that. Just as Christians, we fail, we learn, we move on. And, and so not only are you failing, but your kids are going to fail. And, and don't look at that as like some major, some major thing because 
the failures uh, kind of go off into the background over time. They need you and they need that relationship with you. And so don't check out because there will be a tendency to want to do that in the teenage years. Uh, but they, they need that relationship. And, and what a blessing, you know, as they then go off at 17, 18, and we're seeing it with Emily, and to be able to have a relationship with her, she'll talk spiritual things with us. Praise the Lord for that. God's good to us. But it comes with them having a relationship with Christ and them having a relationship with you as mom and dad. But just be patient. Be in prayer. Be in prayer about it. The key that you're with all that, Amanda, and you said it earlier, is is reminding yourself about your relationship with God <laughs> and how patient God is with you. And every time I get frustrated with Kason, it's as if it always reminds me, Brandon, you just did something like that the other day. And God still forgives you. God still gives you that grace. And it's like, okay, you know what? This is going to knock my pride down a few notches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always feel like the Lord gives us our children and he uses them to teach us more about ourselves and our relationship with him than we ever teach our children. Yeah, it's like a slap in the face from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us today. I really appreciate you being honest and open. You know, God has really used both of you to be a tremendous influence in obviously your children's lives. We praise God for that. So thank you. And we're gonna to continue to pray for you as you minister in Alaska. Thank you.